Okay, we are ready to begin. Parshas told us. While I was in Eretz Israel, I picked up a few svarim. One of the svarim that I picked up was called Sha'arim Mitzuyanim. So it is written by Rabbi Mordechai Benedict, who is the person who learns in the Mir Yeshiva. And he has Askomi as an approbation from the Rosh Shiva of Nelson C. Finkel. And uh, he wrote a commentary on the Torah, at least the first part of the Torah, Ferocious and Shmos. Uh, some of what we're going to discuss this evening is uh, from from his discussion in this week's Parsha. In the section called Shari Torah, Simon and Dalit, number 54. So it says in this week's Parsha like this. It says, we know the story with uh, Yitzchak, he wanted to give the brachos, we discussed he wanted to give the brachos to his son Esau. And uh, Rivka was not going to have that. So she instructed her son, uh, Yaakov, to uh, steal the shell. She instructed his son Yaakov to uh, pretend that uh, he is Esau and tell that to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak will uh, give him the brachas, and that's it. That's the way she wanted it to be arranged. She instructed her son to do so. So, <coughs> right, Yaakov's response is recorded in this week's Pasha, Pasha's Toldos. In uh, chapter 27, verse number 11 and 12, Yaakov says like this, Yaakov, Rivka, Imoy. Yaakov said to Rivka, his mother, My brother, Esav, is, is a man of hair, and I'm smooth skin. Perhaps it maybe will be that my father will feel me, Maybe he'll touch me, he'll feel my skin, and he'll realize that I'm not Esav. Uh, I will be in his eyes like a joke. He'll realize that I'm a charlatan. They basically are like Clover, and not only is he not going to give me a bracha, he's not going to give me a blessing, instead, he's going to give me a Clover, he's going to give me a curse. It's not going to be a bracha. So that's what Yaakov said. Yaakov was genuinely concerned about the fact that he's going to be found out. And once he's found out, maybe Yitzhak will get angry, give him a klola. But Temerloi, Imoy, so we know, we know Rivka's response. Rivka said, Rivka was, unwaver, uh, was unwavering. She did not change her mind. She was steadfast in her opinion. But Temerloi, Imoy, his mother said to him, I like you, Rosh If he's going to curse you, the curse will be on me. Don't worry about it. Ach, Shema, because listen to my voice, Vileich, Kachli, go and take it from me. You just do what I tell you, everything will be all right. That's the story. So the question here is that the Sha'ari Mitzayanim, by Benedict asks, is that Yaakov was concerned about the fact that his father is going to curse him when he finds out. Why wasn't Yaakov concerned about the fundamental? And that is, it says in the Aserah Sadibris, it says in the Ten Commandments, you know, this is a mitzvah sase, it's a positive commandment that a person has to honor his parents. Yaakov was unconcerned by the fact that he was not going to be honoring the wishes of his father. He was not going to be honoring the wishes of his father in the face of listening to his mother. Why was Yaakov so not concerned? Why was he completely not worried? He was worried about the clothes, he was worried about the curse that was going to come. But the, uh, the, 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 the honor of his father, he was not worried about. So he would have been dishonoring his mother. So now, it says the, uh, it says, and this is the Gemara that we know, it says the, um, the Shard of the Sion, and that the Gemara says in Kedushin, the answer of Pamela's question, the Gemara says, like this, Shaul ben Almona, turn to page 31a, Kiddush, and Shaul ben Almona, Achas, is Rabbi Eliezer. The person who was asking a question, he was, he was the son of, a, of a, wid, a widow. Woman is a widow, so he wanted to learn the halacha. He asked Rabbi Eliezer the following question. My father says, bring me water. The ima oimeris, and the mother also says, Ashkini mayim. She also says, bring me water. So, Asian men who should I bring the water first? That was the question. Amr Lehi said to him, No, Hanach Kvodimach, you should put down the honor of your mother, Sir Kvod Avicha, and do the honor of your father. Sheatavimach, because you and your mother, Chayov Mikvod Avicha, because you and your mother are obligated to honor your father. Uh, the, the mother, 
the wife is, uh, is obligated to honor her husband. It's true that uh, the Gemara says in Bamatia, the Gemara discusses that the, uh, the husband has to listen to his wife when she talks about uh, uh, in, in this world. The issue is a question in the post game exactly what that means uh, when it comes to neither the Shemai, when it comes to uh, heavenly things. So, um, so she should listen to him, etc. The Gemara discusses this in Bamatia, I believe on page 59a. They want to discuss this issue, I think. But be that as it may, the 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 uh, wife, you know, husband-wife relationship is obligated to honor her husband. That's the obligation. So therefore, if they both ask for water, if they both ask for water, so she get the water to the father first of the month. That's what the Gemara says. So therefore, if Rishka is asking for something, if Rishka is asking her son to do something, and she's asking that which Yaakov has to do is going to be directly opposed to the will of the father, so then then uh, he's not obligated to listen to her, he's obligated to listen to his father. So therefore the question remains, how is it possible that, uh, how is it possible that Yaakov was unconcerned completely with his father's wishes, and his father's wishes were that Yitzchak should be, Yaesav should be the one to bring the food, and Yaesav should be the one to receive the brachos. Yes. Right. So yes. Yes. So this is the Gemara says that it says. The Gemara says that it says not Sarah Sadibus. It says like it's Kabed Esavicha Viasimecha. You should honor your father and your mother. When it comes in Parshas Kedoshim about fear of parents, it says, Ish imo one should fear his mother and his father. So the Gemara asks, why does it, when it comes to honoring the parents, it says the father first, then the mother. When it comes fear of parents, it mentions the Ish imo, first the mother, then the father. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says that, uh, that Hashem knows that it's more natural for the children to honor the mother because the mother is the one who shows more concern she's the one who talks to the children and relates to them and so therefore it's easier for them to honor the, the mother than the father because the father is a little bit more more direct in, 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 in his desire he doesn't explain as much and relate to their feelings so therefore the Torah knew that the children are going to be lax in honoring the father so therefore the Torah mentioned the father first Kabbalah should honor the father the same way you do the mother. But when it comes to fear, the children naturally fear the father more than the mother. Because the father teaches them Torah, the father gives them instruction, the father sets the rules in the house. So therefore it's easier for them to fear the mother, not the father. So when it comes to fear, the Torah mentions the mother first. Ish imo the other two. First you fear the mother, then the father, then the father. Not that it's not equal, they're both equal. But the Torah is mentioning first because the Torah needs to be misguided, the Torah needs to encourage by each one, the other one first, because in, in the other ones, like we explained, uh, it's, it's more natural. But from fear becomes respect, and from respect comes love. Fear could mean respect too. Fear means respect. Fear means respect. Fear means, fear means the details of the Gemara in Kiddushim, the details of fear are that you don't uh, contradict your parents, you don't uh, sit in a chair. That's, uh, that's respect. Uh, the Gemara on page 31a, in Tractate Kiddushim. Okay? Honoring the parents is you feed them, you, you, you clothe them, you, etc. Also, they come in the same place. Same they come in the room. Okay. Fine. So that's the, that's the question. Anybody have a question? That's our question. The question is, how does Yitzchak, why was Yaakov unconcerned? Why was Yaakov unconcerned with the, the honor of his father by listening to his mother? That's the question. So, the the Teva's Goyma, which is the commentary of the Torah from the Prima Garden, gives the following answer. The answer is obvious. Probably, perhaps, maybe we think of the answer ourselves. He gives the following answer. That the Torah says in Parashas Kedoshim, the Torah says, Ish imo ve'avet pirohu, the end of that Pasuk is, a person should fear their, uh, fear their parents, ve'es tzapsosai tishmuru. 
they should keep the Shabbosos. So, Rashi, quoting the Gemara in Bamasiya, page 31a, is bothered by what's the juxtaposition between the fear of one's parents and uh, the fear of one's parents and keeping the Shabbos. Why does the Torah put group those two things together? Each emo rob to rob person should fear their parents. Yes, Shabbos is Tishmuel. Should keep the mitz. It should keep the Shabbos. So uh, the the, the Gemara says, "Tana bar minayin." How do we know? Shim amr lo aviv. If the father says he tamei, the father says, "Go become tamei." He's a client. Says to him, "Go into the base of course. Go into the cemetery. You become spiritually impure." How does he know? Oshi amr lo atachzir. Says, "How do you know the shalayishmula? How do you know you don't listen to your father? How do you know the one does not listen to their parents?" For example, as we discussed in the past, the parents say, cremate me. How do you know this is the Gemara? How do you know this is the Gemara? You don't listen to the parents. How do you know? So you're not supposed to listen to them. So the Gemara quotes the Pasuk in Pasha's uh, Kiddoshim. Pasuk says, Ish ima v'avev tiro, Yoshev tazu tishma, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. So, Kuchim chayom b'chmoidi, why does the Torah end with the, with the words, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem? Because everybody is obligated to honor me. Not only... Are the children that we to honor me, but the parents also. So if their command is not honoring me, such as cremating oneself or keeping not keeping the Shabbos, so then it's not honoring me. Then I'm not obligated to honor my parents, and they're not honoring me because they're supposed to honor me also. Right? And Rashi in Parshas Kedoshim learns also the juxtaposition is telling me this. The reason why these two things are together is to tell you that the Shabbos is related to the honor of the parents. Is that when the the, the parents can't ask something which is against the Torah, as soon as they have something which is against the Torah. So then, uh, then the children don't have to listen. So the post can discuss, for example, if the parents say, the parents say, I want you to go to this yeshiva. And the child feels, if they're, you know, truly are making a, a sound decision, the child feels that they learn better in another yeshiva. So they don't have to listen to their parents. It's all discussion. So they don't have to listen to their parents. They can go to the yeshiva that they want to go to. If they're going to go over there in that yeshiva. Kit the Shulchan Aruch, Rabbi. Uh, uh, but what if the parents, uh, the parents are so wise? I mean, what age are we talking about? At some age. Okay, so these are gray areas. These are gray areas in halacha. These are gray areas in halacha. So uh, the parents are wiser. The parents are wiser. The parents say, for example, I want my son to go learn in the yeshiva because it'll be close a half hour away. So I want him to go to that yeshiva, but he wants to go to the other yeshiva because he's going to learn better the boy quality. The boy's better, the education, the rabbi are better, you know, they finish more mesectus, whatever. So the child feels that he's going, to, he's going to learn better in that place, so they don't have to listen to their parents to go to the other place. What? I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, they, they think they know better, you know. But sometimes, so this I is subjective. subjective. It's very subjective. Well, a lot of it is in the mind. A lot of it is in the mind. If the child is going to be unhappy in a particular issue, they're not going to learn. So they're not going to learn anyway. Rabbi Gansfried says the best thing that a person can do to honor their parents is to become the best person they become. The more Torah they learn, people say, look, uh, this, is the, this is the child. What do they do? What do they put in the water? You know, what do they put in the quiche? What do the parents put in the quiche? That's the best thing they can do. To honor their parents, so to be such exemplary character of learning Torah, fearing Hashem, that the people are going to say, "What do the parents put in the kish?" That's the best way, and the best thing that the parents can do for the children is is that they is that they is that they, is, that, is that they should be also exemplary character until people say, "Look at what parents this child has." That's the other answer. So it's I mean it's subjective, subjective what you do, how you go, right? Right. So was the original question that she wasn't honoring her husband in the first place, or did she know that in the long run it would be an honor of her husband? Oh, so the original question is family's getting us back on track. It is, <laughs> how does Yaakov ignore the honor of his father? And the honor of his father is his on his will. What's his will? His will is, is that Esau should bring the food and he should get the brachas. And Rivka said, no, Yaakov should get the, bring the brachas. Right? So how does Yaakov listen to Rivka and not Yaakov? And don't tell me that he's listening to Rivka and not Yaakov because even Rivka is obligated to listen to Yitzchak too. If Yitzchak wants it this way, so Rivka can't say, I want it the other way. That's what he said. Kedushim 31a. Wait, so one second, let me just complete the sentence. It says the Teva's Goma, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm just answering your question. It says the Teva's Goma because Yitzchak, because Esau was a Russia, 
he was an evil person and the food that he was going to bring was not going to be kosher. And he was going to be haunting. One second, second. And he's going to, this was the third of And he was going to be Mukhao Shabbos when he goes haunting. He's going to go into haunting on Shabbos. Why? His father didn't send him out on Shabbos. One second, one second, one second. His father just sent him out. Yitzchak was going to do whatever is necessary to get this food. He was not going to, the food is going to, he's not going to do any shit on the food. Right, so Yitzchak was not going to keep the mitzvah, so therefore Yaakov said to himself, if I don't have to listen to my father, if my father is telling me that Yitzchak should, that Esau should be the one to bring him the food, because the food is not going to be kosher, my father is asking food not kosher, not obligated to listen to him in that case, and therefore I'm going to be listening to my mother, that's the answer the Torah is going. That's why Yitzchak, that's why Yaakov was ignoring the command of his father Yitzchak, because he held that uh, Yitzchak was was uh, was asking Yitzchak was asking Kappa, what did he ask? Did he say go hunt? Did no, Yitzchak he expressed he, he didn't say he, he expressed his will that Yitzchak that he told Esau that he should go get him the food and that he's going to give him the brachas so, so the table is going to say he's not obligated to listen because since Esau was a Russia so therefore yeah, but I'm saying that didn't Yitzchak know that his son was a hunter and that, that he oh, oh, so we're going we're gonna to discuss this it's not so clear that he knew according to the comment it's not so clear that he knew this we're going to discuss that but we that's know, the answer but we know it well, now we read it we read it <laughs> you, read, you read it <laughs> alright so we'll see we'll see we don't know yeah this is the question this is the this is the answer that he gives simple answer that's why he listened to Rivka he didn't listen to Yitzchak yeah, he wouldn't listen to Yitzchak, but he didn't listen to Yitzchak because Yitzchak was uh, knowing, knowing or not knowing out of line in terms of this. What do you want to say, Sharon? Right. Rashi says, right, Rashi says this. Rashi says he used to ask him, Rashi says that he used to ask him, uh, well, he used to ask him, can you take off mice or can you take off tithes from salt? So he used to ask him, Rashi says this. Okay, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to Sharon's point in a minute. We're gonna get to Sharon's point in a minute, but that's a good point. Uh, we'll see that the Ramban is also this opinion. So I'm not sure if I understand this next question, but the next question makes sense. Maybe I don't know if we have the answer to it, but hopefully we will. So fine. So that's why Yaakov's not listening to Yitzchak. But there's another point here. There's more than Yaakov's not. Yitzchak actually didn't say anything to Yaakov. As far as Yitzchak was concerned, Yaakov is out of this picture. Right. Yaakov has nothing to do with this situation. It's between Yitzchak and Esav. Yitzchak and Rivka also. She's missing, you know, and that's not her business. Yeah, but, but so Yitzchak is coming, Yitzchak comes to Esav and he says, bring me the food, I give you the brachas. He never talked to Yaakov, he never talked to Rivka, he never had anything to do with them. She heard. She decided she's going to manipulate the situation. Yaakov, what's his business? So Yaakov, if the Yitzchak tells Yaakov, Go do so, go be Mechal Shabbos, go cremate me, fine. So Yaakov doesn't have to listen. But what gave Yaakov, says the Sharim Shunim, the right to go swindle his father? Not, Yaakov did not not listen. Yaakov did more than not listen. He made uh, a whole uh, to do over here. He tricked him into giving him the brachas. What gave him the right to do that? Well, we know he doesn't have to listen. But Yitzchak is not telling him anything. Here he's being active in, 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 in uh, changing uh, his father's plans. And what gives him the right to be a charlatan in this case? Okay, That's so uh, the charlatan. Yeah, so the answer is right. So the answer is the answers we're going to give. The answers are like this. The first answer is, 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 uh, is the Ramban. The first answer is the Ramban. The Ramban says, in process number four, the Ramban is like this. What did Yitzchak say? Yitzchak said, "Va'asali matamim." He said to uh, Esav, "He said, make me delicious food, kasher hafti like I lo- like I love." Ve'heviyali va'achela, and you bring it to me, and I'll eat it. Ba'avur tevarechacha nashi, in order to be teramamus, in order that my soul should give you a bracha before I die. So the Ramban here says, What was Yitzchak thinking? Yitzchak was thinking to give them the bracha He wanted them to have the bracha of Abraham Avinu, his father, his grandfather's bracha, that he should be the one who's going to inherit the land. He should be the one who's going to inherit Eretz Israel. That's what he was thinking. Because since Yitzchak was the firstborn, 
Since Esau was the firstborn, he should be the one, thank you, he should be the one who should have the covenant with the Rabbanu Shalom. He should be the one that, that has the covenant that Avraham Avinu made in Parshas Lechacha, a covenant with Hashem. So the carrier of that covenant, the representative of that covenant, should be the firstborn of Yitzchak. Right? Because he's the most direct. So Yitzchak had in mind that he should get the brachas, he should be the one who should be carrying the covenant. One second. Rivka, says Ramban, had a prophecy. What was her prophecy? She had a problem with her pregnancy. Right? She had a problem with her pregnancy. So what did she do? She went and she pushed She went and she asked advice. She asked advice. And what was the what was the response that she got? It said that the younger one, the the older one, is going to serve the younger one. That was the response that she got, which is what, right? Which is what Yaakov is going to be served by Esau. This is she received from Shem Ben Noach. She received this prophecy from Shem Ben Noach, as Rashi says. Okay, so the Ramban says, one second, did Rivka and Yitzchak talk? Mm-hmm. Did Rivka tell Yitzchak that she has such a prophecy? Yitzchak is giving a bracha that Esau, uh, the firstborn, should be the carrier of the covenant, but Rivka received a prophecy that it's going to be Yaakov. Okay, so if Yitzchak would know this, if Yitzchak would know this, then, then he would never have that plan. One second, one second. It appears to me, says Ramban, that she never told him the prophecy. Except for one thing. It, it, maybe she did tell him, and that's why this whole thing about bring me something to eat so that I can bless you is really out of place because as the eldest, he would automatically have received the prophecy. So it seems to me that he had to sort of force himself to find a plan whereby... Asaph is going to read That's not what the Ramban says. That's not no. what the Ramban says. The simple... So maybe she did tell him, and, but he wanted to find a way to make Asaph... It could be, but that's not what the Ramban says. The Ramban doesn't say that. The simple meaning of the text is okay. nobody's getting any brachas unless they're given. That's why Yaakov is trying to get it. That's why Yitzchak gets it. That's why Asaph gets it. Somebody's got to get it. I mean, uh, it's not coming said, automatic. Yes, it is. You just said yourself that the eldest would automatically get the, it. The, the, the simple reading of the text of the Pasha is that somebody had to get these brachas. And it would be the eldest if he wasn't a Russia, wouldn't it? If he wasn't a Russia, it would have But he had to get it. He had to get it. He had to get the bracha. How is Yitzhak giving him the bracha when Rivka received the prophecy that Yaakov is going to be the one? Says Ramban, she never told him. Why not? She said, right now, why didn't she ever tell him? So this is interesting. She said, because he said, first of all, he says, it has to be she never told him. Why does it have to be? How is Yitzchak going to transgress the word of God? It's not going to be successful. Is he going to give brachas to the one who's not supposed to get it? How is it possible? It must be that she never told him. Now he says, he gives, two, he gives a few reasons why she never told him. Why didn't she tell him? So why didn't she tell him? Good, she didn't tell him. Why didn't she tell him? So he says two reasons. First of all, he says, She didn't tell it to him because it's a way of of Musar and Snius, which means uh, modesty. She didn't tell him. What does that mean? Because when she had the problem with the pregnancy, she went and asked Shame what the problem is. She never asked Yitzhak permission whether she can go. So if she would tell him that she received the prophecy from Shame, then the presupposition of that would be is that she went and asked and this is disrespectful, so she never told him because it never worked out that she should so tell him. So why didn't she ask permission before she went? This, is, this he doesn't explain. This he doesn't explain. It's not like that a very good uh, communication, though. He doesn't explain this. Wow. It could be, you know, the Nitziv, we mentioned this Nitziv many times before, the Nitziv in last week's Pasha, Pasha Chai Sora, says that, that Rivka never directly, uh, she never directly uh, confronted Yitzchak about anything because when she first saw him on the camel, Davani Mincha, she saw him, she was afraid of him because she first thought that he was a king. He was a malach, sorry, he was an angel. She became intimidated by him. So the way she never, she never, she never uh, directly confronted him basically on anything because that's not the kind of relationship we had, she, she, that she had with him. The way she confronted him was, 
backwards. Around the corner. Around the corner, it just happened. So that's one. Number two is he says, or oh, maybe, she said, what do I have to tell him for? He's a nothing. He's a prophet. I have to tell him prophecies. He knows the prophecies. Right? And now she realized, she came to the realization that he didn't know. Now she told him, she didn't tell him because she figured she doesn't have to tell him because he knows. It's Yitzchak. Now she, re- she came to the realization when she heard this happening that Yitzchak must have never heard. So, he's like, so now she said, so what am I going to do? Oh, she assumed that he would have known. She assumed that he would have known because he's no less of a prophet than shame. So then how come he didn't know? So I don't know why he didn't know, but he didn't. She realized he didn't know. So she figured now, if I tell him, if I tell him now, then he's going to say, I'm not giving the brachas to anybody. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to leave it like Baal. I'm going to leave it, see what happens. Whoever gets the brachas, right? I'll leave everything to the Shemayim. What? That's where it is anyway. But she knew that that's not going to happen because if she leaves it this way, so then it's well, not going to happen. If this way, then anyway, Hashem's will would be done. That's what she figured. She didn't want that. She wanted. She knew that Hashem's will because she received the prophecy. She'd be the prophet. One second, Hashem, one minute. So now he says like this. Or perhaps maybe. Or perhaps maybe. This is, now this is the uh, Durex Machina shot of the Ramban. Is that he says, or perhaps maybe. Oh, and Sibos means Hashem Kideshi is Baruch Yaakov. The Rabbanish Shalom caused this to happen. The Rivka should forget about it. should make a mistake. Now tell him he should know he forgot. This, Lemaisa, it never happened because Hashem wanted it that way. So he arranged it that everybody should forget. Took away their free will and this is the way so that Yesus should not get the brachas. Fine. What do you want to say, Sharon? Isn't that was with Avraham when he was together with Lot. Hashem wouldn't speak to him. But then well, Lot left, then he spoke to him. Now she says. When, uh, also, when, he, when, when Yosef was not killed, so he, lost, he, didn't know, he had lost his prophecy. He didn't know that he was alive. And now what you said. I don't know. Did you talk to him? So now you see like this. Now you see like this. You see from the, the, the Shara of you see from this Ramban what? One thing we see from this Ramban is, is that Rivka had a prophecy that Yaakov is the one. There was a prophecy. A prophecy means there's a communication from the Rabboni Shalom, from Hashem, that Yaakov is the one. Rivka knew this. That's what you see from this Ramban. How do you know that you're not just having hallucinations? I mean, it's uh, you never know. Listen, you never know. Does it matter? Does it matter? Yeah. It would well, no. So you look in the no. You look in the Derech Hashem. You look in the way of God, and He says that the prophet knows. There's no hallucination. He knows absolutely, but it's the Rambam's communicate with him. It's not a hallucination. Right. I guess the real question is why would they feel bombarded in the first place? Then? Well, everybody has free will. Everybody has free will, and they can change. You see, you see, well, we'll see soon, we'll mention that the fact that, um, we'll mention the fact that Yaakov was punished because he avoided, he didn't want Dina and Esav to meet because Dina was going to change him. <gasps> Dina was going to change him and Yaakov uh, prevented the, the, uh, the meeting and because of that he got punished, Rashi says. So um, that's the Pashas by Yitzchak, I believe. Uh, Rashi says this. So you see that Esav was uh, running to the Avodah when he was in mother's womb. So you see that even if you're born with hair, you got red in your eyes, you still could change. Of course, that brings up the question that he was already in the womb that way, then that he didn't have free will in the womb. No, so you, that means that you have the yeah, proclivity yeah, towards yeah, this, yeah, but you could still yeah, change. Yeah. Right, you could change. So now you What? I could stop eating theoretically. Free will. There's free will. I think it's limited. Now, she said, oh, yes, now. He says, there's more. There's an Orachim HaKadosh. He says like this too. Listen to this Orachim HaKadosh. Va'atu b'ni, she said, My son, Shema b'koli, listen to my voice. V'asher ani metzava oisachter, I command you. Shema b'koli, listen to my voice. Says the Orachim HaKadosh. What does that mean? Kirush. Hagam sheish bidvarim kignevis das. I am going to tell you now to trick your father. Listen to me. You're going to have to act like a charlatan. You're going to have to... Bend the truth a little bit. You know, you have to change your You know what I'm saying? But listen to me, do it. So I, I, this is against uh, your name. Rufko said to him, this is not, uh, it's not, it's against your nature. So it's not, uh, it's not something you do. It doesn't look good, right? 
Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, my Rebbe used to say, he said, you know, that he once heard or read a transcript from a priest. He said, the priest, the, he said, he, the, 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 uh, the speech went something like this. He gave a sermon about Yaakov Avinu. So he said, the priest said like this, he said, Jacob, a liar, a thief, stole from his brother, lied to his father. If Jacob can make it, anybody can. <laughs> right? So Rivka said, Rivka said, listen, it doesn't look good. We say, Tita and Emes Yaakov, so she said, Im still, still you should listen to me, even though it doesn't look good. Pirish milvad besides, besides the mitzvah that you have to honor me, like it says in the Ten Commandments, the she mitzvah so it's a positive commandment, Gam Haya Nevia, she was also a prophetess, Right, the Ksiv B'divrei Navi Emes. It says by a, a, a true Navi, a true prophet, a lofty Shmoon. You should listen to him. That's why she said, "Listen to my voice." I'm saying this to you, not Stam. I'm saying this to you as a prophecy. This is the Rabbanu Shalom commanded me to tell you. We already wrote in our commentary that even if a Navi, that's an established Navi says that for the moment you should transgress the Torah, transgress the Torah even for the moment. So even if I'm telling you now to do something which is against the Torah, I'm telling you to be a charlatan. But you listen to me because I'm a Nabi, it's a prophecy. So you see from this Orachim HaKadosh also that Rivka had a prophecy that Yaakov should do this. Okay, so now we need gets back on track. What's the original question? The original question was, it's true that Yaakov doesn't have to listen. It's true that Yaakov doesn't have to listen to his father Yitzchak, but what gives him the right to do this? Answer is, is that Rivka had a prophecy. That's the answer. You see this from the Ramban, and you see this from the Orachim HaKadosh, because she had a Nevoah, so therefore, through, she acted on the Nevoah, she acted on the prophecy, she said that this is the way it could be. And therefore, he was justified, that even though it looks bad to do this, It must have been really hard. What? It must have been very hard. For him? Yeah. I know Yaakov, uh, Yaakov has uh, 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 the hardest life out of all the others. Maybe. I mean, it's only no fun to be tied up on a, it's only no fun to be tied up on a Mizbeach. You know? To be tied up and... and one to three, you take the slice of the knife and it's over. Okay, so the truth is like this, is that, is that, so that answers all our questions, right? Now we're done with the class. But of course not, because we still have another 20 minutes left, so we're not done. The Mashah in, in uh, Tractate Brachos on page 7b holds that Rivka was not a prophetess at all. She had no prophecy at all. She was not in the book. He says like this. Listen to this. He says, he has a Gemara to support himself. The Gemara here says, which is interesting Gemara in itself. We're not interested exactly in the Gemara, what the Gemara says. We're interested in just what the Gemara says a little bit. Rabbi Shimon Ba Yechoi said, from the time that the Kosh Baruch created his world, there was no person that ever admitted that said thank you to the Rabbanu Shalom until Leah came and she said thank you she admitted to the fact that Hashem did a chesed when she named Yehuda the word Yehuda comes from the word which means thanks, acknowledgement so she said this time I, I, I acknowledge that Hashem has done a chesed with me, and therefore I'm naming my son Yehuda after the acknowledgement. So Rashi explains, what was the chesed that the Yehuda brought as the, as the fourth son? Rashi says, because she saw Beruach HaKodesh, Rashi says, that Yaakov was going to have 12 children, 12 tribes. And Yaakov had four wives. So you do the math, how many children, that's three children each. And she is already having a fourth one. Right? Yehuda is number four. So she's saying already that I have more than was meant to be. So Hashem is doing a chest with me. She's the one who admitted it. And therefore she named him Yehuda. She was the first one. Okay, that's what the, the Gemara says. So the Mashor here says something interesting. In, in his commentary, he says, 
Well, it's hard to read. It's very small letters. She doesn't give a reason in the Torah. If you open up Parshas Vayetze, there's no reason. She doesn't give a reason of why she said she acknowledged it. The Ben they say this drasha that she was saying it. That they, the Chazal are assuming that this was the reason why she was saying it. It doesn't really say in the Torah why she was saying it. But they're assuming. How come Oydais Hashem? But why? So not a child. Right, so that's a, that's a gracious rabba. But I'm saying he doesn't say it in the Torah. He's saying that the reason why the, ra- the Medrash is saying this is because that you have to say something. This she did not say as a prophecy. She was smart. The Halokhashiv Leia Bakhlal in the Vyas because the Gemara in Shraktid Miguel on page fourteen A counts all the prophets that were the prophets, female prophets that were, Leia is not on the list. So therefore she must have not She must have not said it as a prophecy. Elawat, he says like this Shalomi Das Sama Shemiz Bakhlasidas. She didn't know that she was saying the future. Hashem placed it in her mouth. The Torah is reporting that what she said was a prophecy of the future, but she didn't know this. Hashem placed it in her mouth. Sometimes we say things by accident, it happens. So Leah, he says, the Marshal says, she said it by, Leah said it by accident, it happens. And then he says, like this, then the Marshal finishes off and he says the same thing by Rivka. When she said that she's going to be bereaved by both her children at the same time, that Yaakov and Esau are going to die on the same day, she didn't say it as a prophecy because she's not on the list either in the Gemara Megillah, so she's not a prophetess. She said it. Uh, she said it. I don't want to become bereaved by both my children, but as Hashem placed it in her mouth, she didn't really say it as a prophecy. So the Mashua says that Rivka was not a prophetess. So if she was not a prophetess, she never had a prophecy of the fact that Yaakov should be the one. And therefore, if she didn't know that Yaakov was going to be the one, we're back to the original question. How does Yaakov listen to Rivka? And not, uh, she heard it from Shane. It, was, it wasn't a prophecy. She heard it from Shane that this was going to happen. It was Shane's prophecy, it was Shane. Oh, yeah, so she heard it from Shane. Okay, you can say she heard it from Shane. That's good. And she had the prophecy. Because she knew what she passed. She was having problems. The twins were in the stomach, and when they would pass, like a church kind of thing, then then, then one thing would rumble, and when she passed a a place of wording, the other one would rumble. Yes, I guess guess according to those commentaries, it was shame. So then it wasn't a prophecy. She had shame, he told her. He told her. But otherwise, so we could say, we can answer the Marshall that way, that it was shame that told her, not her, but she, right? Or you could say that she didn't tell her and she just she just didn't know. But it's still it's still the question that if it wasn't a prophecy, she just heard it from shame, then she also could have assumed that God will figure it out in his own way and she doesn't have to get involved. It goes back to that same question. What made her feel that she had to get involved rather than just let her stem do what her stem will do? Right. Her stem will do it. Right. So because, no, wait, what I'm saying, I... No, I just read the Sefer about Ishtablis, and, and, and there's some, there are some Rishonim that they say that, I, that we can't just stand on the mountain and, and, and yeah, say, well, let the money come. Into what, you, what you yourself call a, a, a sham, you, you know, Ishtablis is usually in a positive direction, not in a negative direction. It's whatever direction, what do you no, mean? Why? Because that would that would mean you know they say it, the end does not justify the means. That's why. If I decide that well, that's what Von Bismarck held, he held that the end is what it means. I have to go to Harlem in order for, to be close to Dunstan. Whatever it doesn't make any sense. Right. But I can't decide that. I can only decide that my establishment is something that I know to be positive. I can't just decide. I'm so that's the question that we're dealing with. That's the question we're dealing with. What was? What was the means that she yeah. justified? She yeah. didn't justify the ends by the means. So one was saying she's a prophet. There was a prophecy. If there was a prophecy, I understand it. The Ramban says, the Archaim, of course, says, so now the Marshal says she wasn't a prophecy. You want to say the Chim is the one who had the prophecy. He's the one who told us. Right? That's what Rashi said. But if that's not the case, then what other explanation can we give? Okay, so the other expression that we can give is the more logical one, which is similar to the Tevis Goma, and this is, he quotes the Sefer, which I don't have these fine, but he quotes the Sefer called the Divya Yadidya. He says like this, 
he says that Yitzch, she made the following she made the following logical deduction. She said to herself like this. She said that if Yitzch, if Yitzchak would know the true this is Sharon's shot. If Yitzchak would know the true nature of Esau, then he would never give him the brachas. So therefore, he's giving him the brachas by mistake. So he's giving him the brachas by mistake. Then it's a mekachtos, it's a sale, you buy a car, there's no seats inside, you don't want the car. So he was giving a brachas to a child he thought was a tzaddik, and so he's not a tzaddik. So he doesn't want to give him the brachas. So she said, he doesn't want to give him the brachas anyway. So I'm going to arrange it, the brachas will go to the right place. Now, he has a proof to this, because the Ramban that we just read says that since Yitzchak didn't know the prophecy, he thought that Esau was, uh, he thought that Esau was a tzaddik, but there's another Pesach that says this also. Uh, Pesach 21, the Ramban says like this, listen to this Ramban. And I just also realized that if he would have let it go, and I said before, why couldn't he just leave us and take care of it? But if Yitzchak were to give a blessing, it's hard for Hashem to, you know, to renege on a blessing that Yitzchak would give. Right, right. So that's probably why she couldn't just leave it alone. So listen, he says like this. The Ramban in Pesach 21. So Yitzchak says to Yaakov, he says, he says, he says, Gishona va'amushcha b'ni, come here and I'm going to seal you. That's what Yitzchak says to Yaakov, because he couldn't see. Ha'atozeh b'ni Esav imboi, if you're Esav my son or not. Right? So Rashi says, I'm a believer boy, because he said, I'm a believer boy, he said, because yeah, the passage before this is like, Yisrayemi Yitzchak el Benoi. Yitzchak said to his son, doesn't say which son it is, doesn't say. Right? Mazer mi hartalim tzayeb deni. How come you were so fast to find the food? What happened? Vayemi ki hikra Hashem elokecha lefanai, the Rebunish will help me. Right? So Yitzchak said to himself, like Rashi, since when is Esav saying Baruch Hashem? He never says that. He never says Hashem's name. Just something is funny over here. So he was very suspicious. So he said, come over here, let me feel you. Because he knew that he'd be able to tell. Because he couldn't see, he'd be able to tell who it is. So now Yaakov is coming through. Yaakov, what he was telling his mother, he's going to figure it out. He right, it happened. He was trying to figure it out. But she was prepared because she had the clothing. That's what he said. He feels like Esau, but Akoko, right? Akoko Yaakov, it's the, the voice of the voice of Yaakov, the hands of Esau. So the Ramban says here like this. Rashi is learning that Esav was a Russia. Because Rashi is learning that, uh, that Esav, that why wouldn't Esav say Hashem's name? Why wouldn't he say the word Baruch Hashem? Because he's not, because he's a, he's a Russia. Right? So he says, yes, but it's not true. Yitzhak didn't think he was a Russia. Yitzhak didn't think that Esav was a Russia. Yitzhak thought that Esav was a Tzaddik. Like Sharon said, Rashi said, he used to ask him, he used to ask him, right? He said, no. in the beginning, no, Rashi says in the beginning. Right, the Ramban doesn't mention this Rashi, but Sharon mentioned the Rashi. That the Rashi says in the beginning, the Kitsayid, the the hunt was in his mouth. What was the hunt? He was tricking his father. He was asking him, do I take off? His father wasn't a dummy. His father wasn't a dummy. The Ramban says he didn't know. Well, Rashi says that he, once he found out, he admitted that Yaakov should get it. Okay, that's different. No, I also heard that. He, but in the words on page 27, 25, 27, Rashi says, he knew how to hunt, he knew how to, how to trick his father. His father thought he was, he was uh, exact in his mitzvahs. Rashi says this. So, the Ramban, so how does the Ramban learn? So the Ramban says, listen, he says, Ulai, maybe he thought in his heart that because, this is what Yitzchak thought, that because he, because Esau is always haunting, he's always in dirty places, and in dirty places, he can't say Hashem's name, and therefore he never said Hashem's name because he didn't want to say Hashem's name. But hunting already is a problem. Yeah. So therefore, well, hunting is already, no, he was doing it maybe for a livelihood, like the Nether of Yehuda. He says, you're a lot of haunt if you're doing it for a livelihood, yes. Madura Tinyana, you're day number 10. We discussed that in uh, our, our class, uh, recreational hunting. Oh. So, so he, he, he held like the Nether of Yehuda. Oh, so, so, Sarah Palin is okay. Right? 
So he said that maybe Yitzchak decided, Yitzchak, I'm sorry, Esau, made it a point never to say Hashem's name because he never was cognizant of where he was. I mean, dead carcasses all over the place, whatever. So it's against Allah to say Hashem's name. That's what Yitzchak was thinking. That's why he never said it. But Yaakov was always wanting terror, so he was wanting to say Hashem. But he, he didn't think he was a Russia, right? So therefore you see, he says, the, show me something. you see from the Ramban, you see from the Ramban that Yitzchak thought that Yaakov, that, that he was a tzaddik. So Rivka said, oh, Yitzchak is a tzaddik, he's making a mistake. Yitzchak is not a tzaddik. I'm sorry, Esau is not a tzaddik. He's making a mistake. Therefore, if he really knew, if he really knew what a, what a tzaddikul Esau was, if he really knew, then, then he would never give it. So therefore, I'm justified. The end justified. The means justified is switch this. So now, right, that's, the, that's, that's what it seems like from the Ramban. However... However, there's other opinions. Arachayim HaKadosh says that he did know that he was a Russia. He says, Arachayim HaKadosh disagrees. He says in, in 27.1, he says like this, he did know he was a Russia. Because he says, he says like this, Binoy HaGodo, his older son, right, in Pasuk Aleph, Einov, his eyes, Miroyz, his eyes became by Yikra as Esav. He called Esav Binoy Hagodol, his older son. Gadol doesn't mean older, it means bigger. Bigger son, it makes that's what you hear. It makes a difference. I think here means the older son. The older son. Right? So the, so, so the Arachim is bothered why the Torah says this. Why the Torah says Binoy Hagodol? It should say, he called Esav. What does it say, Binoy Hagodol? It says the Arachim is seen as Tam. Lama lo korele Yaakov. He's, the Torah is telling us why, why, why is Esau calling it to, uh, why is Yitzhak calling Esau let him call Yaakov the Torah is telling us no because he's the Benoi HaGodol because Esau was the only son he's the because he's the he is the he is the firstborn and he says maybe he didn't know about the sale he didn't know the sale that Yaakov that Esau sold the brachas to him he, doesn't, he didn't know now Vitam Yitzchak Shai. I said, why in the world would you give a bracha to this Russia? <coughs> says Arachayim. Because Vitam Yitzchak Shai, a chafet levarach Esav of Russia. Yitzchak still wanted to give, even though he knew that Esav was a Russia, he still wanted to give a bracha. Why? Because he thought that through the brachas, Esau will change, become a better person. That's what he thought. Right? Why? Because tzaddikim, righteous people, righteous people, it pains them when their children are not doing the right thing. And, and he tries to make it better. Perhaps maybe he'll help. Yitzhak wasn't really ready to give up on Esau. He wasn't ready to give up. So he figured if he gives him the brachas, this will change him. Because it gives him responsibility. It's dangerous, but Yitzhak didn't want to give up. Rivka knew better. Yitzhak didn't want to give up. He says, and you'll find this, what Pamela said before, that the Medrash says, Rashi quotes it, that Yaakov was punished because Yaakov was unconcerned with Esau. Because Yaakov, Dina, he hit her in a box. When they met, so he never he never met her. But if he would have met her, she would have married him. She would have married him. She would have changed him. Aye, how is she changing him? Yes, for he was. He could change him. So, but Yaakov was unconcerned because of that. He got punished. But Yitzhak wasn't willing. If Yitzhak would have been unconcerned, then maybe he would have got punished by the Rosham also. He didn't want to. So you see that you see that the Arachaim Hakadosh holds that Yitzhak did know. So if Yitzhak did know, we're back to the original question, how does Yaakov, how does Yaakov, uh, we're back to the original question, how does Yaakov not listen to him? Fine, but, but you have to follow the protocol of the mitzvah, you can't make a judgment, you have to listen to the father, you can't listen to your mother, if, the, if that's a contradiction to the father. And Yitzhak said, I know he's a Russia, but I want him to get the brachas anyway. I know that. So it's a problem according to the Arachayim Akash, you have to give you an explanation. He says that the, um, the Sephorna also says an interesting explanation. The Sephorna says like this. Listen to the Sephorna, and according to the Sephorna, it's also a problem. And with this, we'll conclude in four more minutes. The Sephorna says, says like this. Sephorna says, Va'asuli matamim. Make me good tasting food. Says the Rabbi Vajra Sephorna, Ratsuli matamim kirishi sasi be covered off. You know, why, why is he telling Esau to, and this is all the Mephoshim asked this question, what is Yitzchak asking for steak for? For what? 
If the is asking, you should make him good food. For what? Right? So he says like this. He says he didn't want the steak at all. He wanted Asaf to do a mitzvah of honoring his father. That's what he wanted. That's what he said. So he said like the spoon. So now, if he does a mitzvah, this way the bracha will work. If he doesn't do the mitzvah, the bracha will work. It's like the Jewish people, right? Hashem wanted him to be involved in the mitzvah before he takes him out of mitzvah. Because otherwise, how they going to go out of mitzvah? So therefore, he wanted him to do a mitzvah of honoring his father. That's why he's, uh, he's asking him. Like the other Mephoshim say, the Rabbeinu Bechai, for example, says that food makes a person happy, the, the body is considered connected to the soul, and therefore if the body is considered connected to the soul, if the body is happy, the, the soul is happy, and therefore you could say the bracha. So the Sfun is not learning like that. Sfun learns that, he, that Yitzhak had no interest at all in this food, but he wanted Esau, he could have asked him to sew him a, a sweater. The same thing, he wanted him to be involved in the mitzvah of honoring his father. And this way, if he's doing a mitzvah, he wears brachas. Right? He didn't know that Esau was such a rasha. But he also didn't think he was such a tzaddik either. He thought, listen, he wasn't, he's not, my son Esau, you know, whatever. He's just there. He's not such a tzaddik that he should be able to have rachas. But he's not a rasha either. So what should I do? Said the says, 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 Yitzhak. So he said, I'll give him a mitzvah. I'll give him a mitzvah. He'll do the mitzvah. Then I'll give him the bracha. This will work. But he says, and the proof to my child, he says, uh, the Sfuno, is that when he gave, when he gave a bracha to Yaakov, he didn't ask him to give him food. Why not? Because Yaakov doesn't need to do the mitzvah. Yaakov is already a tzaddik. By him, the brachas will be right away. So the Sfuno is learning that uh, he wasn't such a tzaddik, he wasn't such a rasha, and therefore Yitzchak wasn't aware of his riches, he, was, right, he wasn't aware of his riches, and he wanted him to get the brachas anyway. So, the question is, well, according to the Sforno, we don't have so much of a question, because according to the Sforno, we could say maybe he didn't realize how bad Esau really is, and Rivka did, and therefore Yaakov didn't have to listen. The real problem is, according to Yerachim HaKadosh, is that if he did know that he was a rasha, and he wanted to give the brachas anyway, how does Yaakov have the right to listen to... How does Yaakov have the right to listen to to uh, Rivka instead of Yitzhak? Okay, so this is what I want to share with everybody this evening. Right, this is the uh, some of the commentary, some of the discussion that's going on as far as the dynamics and the relationship between between uh, Yaakov and Esau and Rivka and Yitzhak and what 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 they knew, what they didn't know, and who Yaakov was listening to and why. And it's just not so simple. Uh, to read the text and just assume that, uh, you know, Yaakov performed all these tricks in Rivka, and this was, uh, there were issues going on around there, serious issues that could be derived from the text and discussed and understood, and perhaps maybe to have a fuller picture of what's going on that's more real life-like than what we learned when we were younger in school. I'm just surprised oh, that uh, Lydia and Yitzhak are the paradigm of what marriage is, because it doesn't look like they were a paradigm of what marriage is.